Hal Perkins, as most of you know, gave a powerful message on July 11th about the God of miracles after having experienced one. I was not here on the 11th, but I watched and listened to that message multiple times. Hal shared that the bride of Christ, those who have Jesus in them, have tremendous influence with the groom, Jesus. At the end of the service, he asked those who believed, uh, who, th those who believe they are his bride and such have such influence, if they were led to come to the front and pray with those in needs, and some of you did. Last week when Hal was here again, I was seeking someone from our congregation to fill the pulpit today. When Hal stated early in his sermon that we could have a powerful sermon if the people who experienced healing on July 11th would share their experience. That convicted me, and I shared the idea with the elders, and they agreed that if people who had experienced and were willing to share, um, had the experience and were willing to share, that the body could be uplifted. So we uh, proceeded with, the, with, with this idea. Why the elders came to this conclusion and Hal said what he did is clear in Scripture. 1 John 1, 2 through 3 says, this, is the life was, this life was revealed to us, and we have seen it and testify about it. We declare to you this eternal life that was in the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we declare to you so that you too can have fellowship with us. Now this fellowship of ours is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus, the Messiah. Revelations 12.11 says this, They triumphed over him, him being Satan, the accuser, by the blood of the Lamb, and listen to this, by the word of their testimony. Testimony is a powerful tool against Satan. They did not love their lives as much as to shrink from death. Our testimony is worth bringing forward even in the face of risk. Lastly, First Chronicles, by the way, I'm not giving the sermon this morning. Um, First Chronicles 16.8 says this, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Hear these testimonies, but more importantly, hear what God is doing. Hear how he's moving. So we are blessed to have two Bride of Christ uh, in action testimonies this morning. The first is Corey Yoder. Corey needs no introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, Corey has attended HCC for 17 years, and he and Rachel have been married for 14 years. The former may have led to the latter. I'll let you, them explain that to you, but um, perhaps the former led to the latter. Um, Corey and Rachel are recent examples of our past campers' kids from Lakeside Camp coming to camp as campers, their, their kids coming as campers. Uh, their, their daughter Charlotte is in the fourth grade, just finished the fourth grade, which I can't believe, and came this year as a fourth grader and assumed the title of junior director in training. So please welcome Corey to share what God has done in his life. Thanks, Dave. Well, good morning, HCC. Oh, this is going to be fun here. I don't have my notes with me, but God's going to use me. Um, as Dave said, um, I'm Corey Yoda. Those of you that do know me know this is not my thing to be up here. But I'm being, trying to be obedient, not to Dave or to Hal, but definitely to God. Um, I can tell Dave no. Um, so, a little bit backstory. Um, I'm realizing since July 11th that the miracle I experienced is just a small bit of what God's doing to me and in my life. Um, 
and you can ask Rachel before, um, July 11th is Friday or Saturday. I told her, I was like, you know, I don't want to go to church. And that was definitely Satan trying to get to me. Thank God that I didn't listen to him. Um, but before that, I basically put God in a box. And just like what that song, that, <laughs> that got me. You know, I used to think that I could box God up. Um, that's such a lie. You can't do that. Um, but, you know, 2020 was hard. Pandemic, all of the stuff going on in the world. Um, work and let's let's be real here. Let's church church hasn't been the easiest. Um, <clears throat> but I came to church that Sunday, and uh, I listened to how like Dave Dave's talked about um, give a message like I never heard before. Being God of miracles, I knew He could do miracles, um, but. Listen to how talk about the bride of Christ and the body of Christ hit on all sorts of new levels for me. And I could feel the Holy Spirit working in my life right there. And the miracle that I experienced is just a small little tiny bit of it. Um, if you want to know more, that share some with Dave. But if you want to know more, come find me. I want to share it with you guys. But it's, it's not something for me to share in public. Um, it's going to be a personal conversation. Um, but I came to church, um, you know, first of all, I'd back up why I came up for healing. Um, you know, I was trying to think of what it was I needed to come up for. I know God was telling me I need to come up for prayer, um, trying to figure out what it was. And I think we all could come up and have people pray for us about anything. I was just trying to think of things that could make me a better husband, better father, better worker, just a better person. That wasn't it. Um, he said... You need to go up there for physical healing. And I felt, that's, that's selfish. You know, I'd be a better person. I could, you know, do something with that, you know. But physical healing is something selfish. But I felt God tell me, like, no, you go up there for physical healing. The rest will take care of itself. And boy, did it. Um, my life has changed since that day. Um, two years ago, I was having horrible stomach pains. Um, it's a ball of fire in my stomach. Um, that would just take me down to my knees, um, bloating where I thought that I was going to pop. Um, horrible fatigue, easily irritated, wasn't myself, and I finally waited way too long, but I finally would talk to a doctor about it. And uh, first thing they did was food intolerances, um, a test through blood work. I had to do blood work that day anyway, so they took a little bit extra, and it came out where corn, egg yolk, um, dairy, and wheat were all things that my body didn't like. Um, and uh, if you guys like to cook, those are some major ingredients <laughs> you got to cut out. Um, but um, my wife, man, uh, all you bachelors out there, um, find yourself Rachel. Uh, she's fantastic. Um, she catered to my new diet. She took care of me. We were dealing with it, making it work until I didn't have to anymore. And I didn't have to as of July 11th. Um, that's right. Um, I knew before coming up here that I was going to go have some deep dish pizza or something for Mazio's before coming up and having prayer. Um, but I made a beeline for Franklin and he prayed um, for me. Um, I just told him stomach issues. Um, and honestly, I couldn't understand or hear 90, 95% what you're saying. And I thought that while you're praying. And I was like, God said, it doesn't matter. 
you know, I stepped out in faith. I knew God was going to kill me. I knew you knew God was going to heal me, and you and God were working it out. I thank you for listening, too. Um, about five minutes after we got done praying, my mother-in-law, Stacy sent a text, um, inviting us over for eggs, bacon, and waffles. Um, I knew instantly that I was going to go eat those waffles. They didn't. Um, I went over and told Rachel I was going to go eat some waffles. And I had those waffles and no issues. I went and I had deep dish pizza that night from Ozio's. No issues. That's right. And then Monday night I had my favorite spaghetti. And then on Tuesday night, God bless little Charlotte. They, uh, Rachel and them were shopping before all this happened. And Rachel had them uh, pick out a treat. And she picked out a funnel cake mix. So Tuesday night, <laughs> I had funnel cakes and I had no issues. Um, I haven't had any stomach issues since. And I trust me, I've been eating stuff. I'm bloated now, not because of pains, but just because I'm eating stuff I probably shouldn't. Um, but uh, I never doubted that God could heal or that God would. Um, it was kind of amazing when it happened. It's like, this is, this is really happening. But then I was wondering, like, why me? It's like, there's people better equipped to give God the glory for this. Um, that could use this. And, you know, I don't get up here. I don't share this stuff. I don't talk this way. Somebody else could do better with this. But then Wednesday morning, I found out why. Um, I was going to work, and this, I'm, you know, if you want to know all the details, come find me. I'll tell you. But um, I just say this. David Crowder has this song, How He Loves Us, and it's a line in there that so many people don't like. It's a sloppy wet kiss. And uh, I have a new appreciation and love for that line. Um, Wednesday morning, I got a sloppy wet kiss from God. And I know why me. Um, he's waking us up, church. I got to work, and I sent Rachel this text, what I just experienced and everything. And uh, she sent immediately uh, Acts 2.17. And it says, uh, in the final days, God will pour out his spirit on his people. That your sons and daughters will prophesy, that your young men will see visions, and that your old men will dream dreams. And church, he's waking us up, and we don't want to miss it. My miracle, I mean, it's, it's powerful. What he did, that's great. I'm so thankful for it. Um, but that's just a small, tiny bit what he wants to do. And it's time to wake up and listen. You know, I expected and I waited so long to experience something like this. And... Uh, and just turned 35 yesterday. And uh, I experienced it when I had God. Basically, I thought I had him in a box. And I wasn't having a close relationship with him. And he said, you know what, it's time. I just can't help to think, though, how many opportunities I missed out on because I wasn't listening. Because I thought I knew better. I thought I had the answers. Um, and... Uh, been trying not to say this line, but I think God keeps telling me to do it, so I'm going to say it. Church, whatever you expect this building to look like, whatever you think these walls should look like, just forget it. Whatever you think the worship should sound like, forget it. And whatever you want and expect Jeremy and his wife Sarah to be when they get here, forget it. It's not ours. It's not ours. It's God's. It's time for us to get out of the way and listen to him and let him show you and show us and this community what he wants to do. Otherwise, we're going to miss it. And trust me, you do not want to miss it.
Thank you. Hell's right. Those testimonies make a powerful sermon, don't they? Next up is Tammy Powers. Tammy started attending then HMC from 1973 to 1981, and then from 1992 until now. Tammy and Pat will be celebrating their 36th wedding anniversary tomorrow, so please congratulate them as you welcome Tammy to share what God has done in her life. As Dave said, I'm Tammy Powers. Um, I shared this back 12 years ago when it happened. Uh, Randy, Pastor Randy at the time asked me to share, but Dave called and asked if I would share this again. Uh, March 27, 2009, started out as a typical Friday morning. Uh, Pat went to work. Uh, our oldest daughter, Jennifer, was in college. She left for classes. Our youngest, Laura, was a junior in high school here at Harrisonville. She left. Uh, Mom and Dad at that time had moved to Warsaw. And um, mom called. She used to come up every Friday, and we did our shopping. And she called that morning. She said, I don't think I'm going to come up today. And I said, oh, that's fine. You know, no, no problem. And uh, f let me say, I don't believe in coincidences. There is no some such thing. And you'll understand that as I go on. A little bit later, mom called and said, I'm going to go ahead and come up. I said, okay, that's great. So she came up. We uh, went to lunch, uh, did some grocery shopping. Uh, they were building a house at the time, so we went to Sutherland's to check out some prices on stuff. And as we got in to the car, into my Tahoe, I went to pull out of the parking lot, and I had a severe pain in the top of my head. And um, I can remember grabbing my head, saying, my head hurts, and I feel funny. And the last thing I remember is mom saying, pull over. That was it. I passed out and went to a seizure. I hadn't pulled the car completely over. So if anybody knows my mom, <laughs> this was the first miracle. She was calm. <laughs> when it came to us girls, she was kind of fanatic. So um, she reached over, put the car in park, shut it off, and called 911. Um, the ambulance came, took me to Cass Regional. She called Dad and Pat. They, everybody came to the hospital. And Cass did a CT scan and come out and told Pat, um, we need to get her to the city. She's got a, a brain aneurysm. So they asked him, where do you want to send her? And he said, St. Joseph. Uh, so they called. They didn't have a bed at St. Joseph, and they didn't handle that type of trauma. Okay, so they went to the second choice. Well, the ICU didn't have a bed there. So the third choice was St. Luke's on the plaza. So off I go, and I, I'm out, in and out. I don't remember a lot of what's happening, except for that when I did regain consciousness the few times, I was in severe pain. Um, and I can remember bits and pieces of the different people there with me. Um, but as I'm on my way to St. Luke's, I've got prayer chains starting everywhere. This church, Sycamore, my sister and brother-in-law uh, were pastoring a church in Warsaw. That was going. We had churches in Colorado, California, Virginia, all over praying for me during this time. So we get to St. Luke's. Um, they take me in. They do a test, and they come out, and they tell Pat, it's a ruptured brain aneurysm. Um, there's a procedure that we can attempt, but if it does take, she's got a 20% chance of survival. If she does come through it, 
there's several things to be looking for. She um, will be in the hospital three or four weeks. She could be blind. Um, she could lose use of her legs where she couldn't walk, or she could lose her memory. Um, so they take me in, they put a coil in, bring me back to ICU, and about two, three o'clock in the morning, I can remember waking up and looking over, and I saw my husband sitting there, and I asked him, where am I? And he said, you're in the hospital, you had brain surgery. And I instantly grabbed my head and said, where did they shave my head? <laughs> he said, they didn't, and I went back to sleep. Then I wake back up and I said, I've got groceries in the car. My memory, my sight, my memory. Um, he said, don't worry about it, Laura took care of it. So um, the next 10 days I spend in ICU, um, they would come in daily and they would do the test because they told them, we've got to watch her pressures because the next thing is when you mess with the brain, it gets very angry and it could cause a stroke if her, if, her if her pressures get so high. So they come in daily and they would do the same routine, raise your arms, raise your legs, what day is it, who's the president, you know, that type of thing. Um, my pressures got to that level, but I never had a stroke. So on the 11th day, they moved me to a normal room and the 12th day I came home. I walked from my bed to, so those three things that they told everyone to watch for, I had no problem. Um, so I can remember Randy saying that he prayed that um, I would be able to be here with my family on Easter Sunday, which was April the 12th that year. I was here worshiping with my, my church family on that day. Um, so I know that Number one, there's no coincidence that mom decided to come up that day. Had she not, I would have been at home, five miles east of Harrisonville, by myself, and more likely one of the girls would have come in and found me dead on the ground. Um, there was no coincidence that the hospital they sent me to happened to be well-known, one of the best-known hospitals for brain trauma. Uh, and the surgeon that worked on me helped perfect the coil that they used. Um, that was no coincidence that that was God working. That was an answer to prayers. Um, a few months after that, I was cleaning Laura's room, and I found a note that she wrote that day. And I won't read it because I won't be able to get through it. But parents, believe me, your kids listen. Even though you wonder sometimes when they're teenagers, are they getting it? Are they get, really getting it? In this letter to me, she put Isaiah 59.1. It says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. And then she proceeds to say that they had lots of teenagers praying for me during this time. And then later on, she has Nahum 1.7. The Lord is good of refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust him. So a lot came from that. You know, I, you wonder as a parent sometimes... Are they listening? Are they getting it? Believe me, they are getting it. And believe me, God does answer prayers. I am um, a walking miracle. Thanks. Hal also spoke about the body of Christ, and that is the Word becoming flesh. And I've read this verse and heard this verse taught 
thousand times over the years. The word, which is intangible, you can't see it, became flesh in Jesus Christ, and you could see it, basically. Um, and, and I thought that was something that happened to us, right? The word became flesh, and, and we could see the, you know, hear descriptions of it at least, but the people that were there saw it. It's something that happened to us. But what it is is a command. The word, God's command, God's word, what God wants, God's will for healing or whatever, became flesh. And he did it through Jesus Christ. And we're made in his image, right? So therefore... What that's telling us is you know, the word is still becoming flesh through the body of Christ. And the other analogy or, or um, illustration Hal used was the body of Christ in, in, in the miracles, okay? Um, I've heard that a thousand times, and Jesus makes it clear what he means by this in, in John 21, where he hears the Father's command, right? He's, he's been resurrected. He, 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 Jesus has been resurrected. He's appearing different places, and he meets the disciples on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and cooks them breakfast. So the disciples see Jesus cooking them breakfast, which it was, right? Well, when we're called to a similar calling, we take God's word, God's command to provide for, to, to pray over, to serve, whatever it is. We hear God's command to preach, to share we hear God's command, which is intangible, and make it tangible because we are now the body of Christ, right? So um, with that, as the body of Christ, we're called to hear Jesus' intangible word and show Jesus to the world through that command and make it tangible through obedience. We have two testimonies about people from HTC serving as the body of Christ, hearing God's word, being obedient to it, and being the body of Christ to those that are, that are served by it. Be Jesus in the flesh. Two weeks ago, Lath and Beth led nine adults and 13 youth who were called to be the body of Christ on a mission trip to Kansas City. Please welcome Beth. I didn't get the statistics on how long you've been married and been in the church, but will you please catch us up on that. Please welcome Beth and company um, to share that. Welcome her, please. Hello. Um, okay, so I've been um, attending HCC, was HMC, since I was 16. Um, I believe that was 1991. Um, so it's been 30 years, you guys. I'm getting really old. Um, okay, so last year we were supposed to go to LA with us with CSM for a youth mission trip. And that got canceled because of COVID. And I kept thinking, we should do a CSM-style trip in Kansas City. You know, why not do this in our own, our own backyard, right? So when CSM reopened this spring, um, they chose to start serving in Kansas City for the first time ever. That's never happened before. And um, it just felt like an answer to a prayer that I hadn't dared to pray. And... Um, Actually, I shared that with the CSM leadership, and they're like, we just shared this with like our leadership across the nation. We really feel like this is an answer to prayer that we're supposed to be doing something in Kansas City. Um, so that was exciting to hear, too. Um, so serving our city just seemed like the obvious choice. Um, I'd been praying about it. I had never um, organized a mission trip before. I've been on several, but I've never been in charge of it. And um, I, I learned... 
I learned a lot. God stretched me a lot in this, um, trusting him, listening to him. Um, I had prayed and prayed. Our service group could only be 14 people or 20 people or more. And so I had prayed and prayed about it. And you have to, you have to pay that money up front from the church. And um, so all of this started in March, which is ridiculous. You usually start these sort of um, trips planning um, several months before that. But um, they had just opened it up in March. They just ordered, they, um, they hired their director in April. So he kind of hit the ground running and got all these things planned within two months' time. Um, by the time we'd gotten there, 200 people had already been in Kansas City serving. Um, so I love how God has mobilized people and using them in that way, um, even when we're not seeing it happening. Um, so anyway, I'd, I'd prayed about it. We booked the trip for 20 people. And I had, I had 20. I had 20 exactly. I thought we were going to have more. I thought 20 was a safe number. We were at 20. I'm like, okay, we're cool. That's good. I can do that, you know? And then about two weeks before we left, we had three kids drop out. No, (laughs) you can't just grab people off the street with two weeks left. Hey, you know, you want to be gone for an entire week and go with a bunch of youth and pay a bunch of money to do that? No? Okay. Well, the cool thing was that because of that happening, we were able to pull um, five more people, adults that couldn't come for the entire week, but they could come for a day. And so um, we actually had 23 people go um, and not having to pay anything differently because we never had more than 20 people there at the same time. So God knew what was supposed to happen and who was supposed to go. Um, so if you guys would stand up if you're here. Um, you don't have to come up. But these are the, the people that all came. Um, Adler Gilkison, Aiden Riley, myself, Carol Roth, David Gilkison, Hope Gilkison, Ian Parrish, India Paris, Jada Gilkison, Joe Shook, Johanna Gilkison, Karen Shook, Kyle Shook, Laith Gilkison, Megan Riley, Sam Parrish, Sayla Paris, Ryan Riley, Seth Gilkison, Maddie Edwards, Jeff Shook, Joshua Gilkison, and Tony DeLillo. So well done, church, helping send so many people. We were split into two service groups, um, so I didn't really like that because I really wanted to see what all of my kids were doing. Um, but it was good because we kind of divided and conquered. Um, so we did more things than we would have if we were one group. Um, the first day was a prayer tour. Um, we were educated about Kansas City. We learned about the segregation that, that once was and then um, has actually continued just because of the way city development has happened. Um, we got to go see an all-black hospital that is now closed and learn the history of that. Um, and you know, drove down Paseo and looked at the houses and realized that this was a dividing line in Kansas City. This was the side that was very poor still, and this is the side that was very affluent. Um, And we stopped, and we got out, and we prayed. We prayed for our city, and we prayed with students who were just learning this and having their heart broken for the first time, um, seeing this in a different light. Um, And seeing the parts of the city that we've been afraid to go to in a different light. Not being afraid, not being separate, but just walking and praying. And um, 
I believe God growing a love in our hearts for our own city. Um, so the next was city immersion. They take a, a group of kids, they give you $2 a piece, and they drop you off somewhere and say, okay, you have uh, four hours. Um, you're going to find your lunch. You're not going to pack a lunch today. You're going to find your lunch for $2, and um, we want you not just to feed yourself, but someone else. Try to share that and um, see who you can talk to and, and how far this money will go. And so there was two of our groups that did that. Um, we found out very quickly that the money doesn't go very far, and the time feels very, very long. And so I feel like they learned a valuable lesson, um, and I was reminded of a valuable lesson of what it's like to be homeless, um, to not have enough, to see all these things you'd like to buy and not be able to, um, and to have all of this time to spend, and my $2 is gone, now what? Now what do I do? Um, so proud of our students and our leaders, of course, but um, they were patient and they were flexible, even though they were hungry and maybe a little hangry, um, and allowed themselves to learn and experience we did get to talk, one group was able to, to find a homeless person to talk to and learn to converse with and try to reach out. Um, and um, our group got to, to speak with a homeless lady as well and pray for her and share some bread. Um, we were in an area that, um, well, we were at the River Market. There wasn't a lot of homeless people there, so we, we really kind of felt gypped. We would have liked to have talked to more people. Um, but still, it was good. It was a good stretching experience. Um, the next thing was Upper Room, and that's an organization in Kansas City that does basically um, summer school in different schools around the city, and we were at three different schools over the course of the week. Um, one of the things was um, that I wanted to share is my daughter Hope's story. Um, so Hope is dyslexic. And when she went in to help these kids with their schoolwork, they were sending children that definitely needed more help. And um, she was like, Mom, I knew right away what they were dealing with. And I, I could see it and recognize it. And um, I felt like I was actually able to help them and give them some, some tricks that the teachers didn't, didn't know and didn't understand about. And um, I really loved that for her, get her getting to see what she struggled with as a, as a gift rather than a just, just a struggle, but it was also hard, hard to see these kids struggling, hard to see them um, in a school district that really doesn't have the resources to, um, to help each of the students the way they deserve to be helped. Um, but also get to, get to see the teachers working hard and trying and loving the kids, you know, just all of it was just, just good to see, appreciate. Um, there was also the struggle of not necessarily feeling wanted in every school, not necessarily feeling like, you know, what are you guys going to do? Why are you here? Uh, we don't need you today. Um, there was a lot of times um, this that week, we didn't get to work with people. We ended up cleaning. We, ended, we did weeding three times in a row. Nobody wanted to weed anymore by the time that was over. We were like, you know what? And several of you know. Where, we, where we're from, we've got kids who work with landscaping. We've got kids who work on a farm. Like, we could have just brought the bobcat up here, and we could have had this taken out. We could have moved this mulch, you know, and it's just really funny. Like, but this is a really good experience. We had to work with our hands. We didn't have gloves. We got very hot and sweaty, and we got pretty sore. Um, but we served the Lord, and I, I'm 
proud of them. They did it with gladness. They did it with smiles um, and very minimal grumbling. Um, another, another place we went was Project Cure. Um, you'll eventually see a, a picture of that. So this was especially fun because it is a um, organization that collects medical supplies that are donated, sorts, packs them up, and sends them overseas to third world countries. And um, what was really fun about, about that, not just getting to do that service, but they were in the caves, the subtropolis up in Kansas City, and I've heard that there's just as much commerce under the city as there is above, and now I believe it. Oh my word, they're huge, and you feel like you're on a, a foreign planet, like um, some sci-fi movie. It's so strange down there, but really fun, and what a great experience for our students to be able to see that and um, work with a really great organization that does a very fantastic job. Um, we also worked at um, Shelter Casey, and I say we, it was actually the rest of my team. I didn't get to go there. Um, but again, this is a, um, this is a homeless ministry. They, they serve people, they feed them um, as a shelter. But once the people started showing up, um, we were asked to leave. Um, they didn't want us there when the clients were coming in because of COVID. So really COVID is still lingering and slowing down um, how much people can actually work with people. Um, now, if you volunteer there on a regular basis, I'm sure they would have been fine with it, but just a, a new team coming in, they didn't, they didn't want our germs, which is understandable. But again, it was a disappointing thing. And that's probably our biggest takeaway from this mission trip is flexibility, learning to serve God and how he, um, how he lets you serve and serving people um, with gladness in the way they ask, not the way we want. Um, one thing I love about CSM, they always have you try different foods, international foods. We ate Vietnamese, Greek, East African, and Thai in pizza, which might have been my favorite because it was so good. Um, but they're very intentional about the restaurants that you go to. They're usually um, family-owned. Um, first, First-generation folks that have come over started a restaurant. Um, it's immersed the students in a new culture and make them be in the moment. I was so proud of them. Everyone was adventurous, and they tried new foods and were gracious guests. Um, it was a joy to take our students. Um, you would have been so proud of them. Um, after every service day, we would debrief as a team. And um, that's probably my favorite times. We would share highs or lows, ha-has, and anything else in between wow moments. Um, I, but it's my favorite because I got to hear from every student and every leader. Um, so they could talk through what they were learning and talk about what they were frustrated about. And um, so they could learn how God was using that and why. And then um, our corporate worship the last night we were there, um, it was a big stretching moment for some of our students because part of it was really organized. There were stations you could go to and worship in different ways, whether it was writing or drawing or singing or just praying. Um, it was organized, but not. And so they had to move about the room on their own. And it was very awkward for some and felt weird and new. Um, but they took it in stride also and, and pushed through and sought God. And I was just, again, so proud um, and again, I think I, I, maybe I learned the most. Um, my faith was stretched in new ways, and God revealed himself again as an understanding and forgiving father, um, meeting me in my inadequacy. Um, 
And I don't, I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up. Um, I think it was one of the very first days. Um, Laith was driving the church van and I was driving our, our car. And it started having problems. It wasn't running right and it was the very beginning of the week. So they stopped and they prayed. And um, it didn't have any trouble the rest of the week. And, you know, Laith's a mechanic. We, we know from experience you don't usually just get to pray over something with the vehicle and just stops having a problem. Um, we believe that God put his hand on that and, and, and caused that to not be an issue this week. Um, so I, got, I saw growth in students and leaders. Everyone gave, served others, and loved each other well. And it was the least amount of drama from a team that I've ever experienced on a mission trip. And that's saying quite a bit, because there was 23 people total at some point every um, throughout the week. So... Thank you. And um, yeah, bless you church. Thank you for being a sending church and, and believing in the young people here. Um, Karen, did you want to come share? Thank you. I'm Karen Shook. I got to go on the trip. I feel very privileged to have been able to do that. Um, as many of us up here today, this is not our, maybe for Beth it is, I don't know, not our gift to be speakers. Um, but I did want to share a couple things. So um, I did get to go to Shelter KC, and Jeff got to come up that afternoon, and that is one Christian ministry we got to go to that um, I hope we get to go back and support as a church. Um, we really believe in what they're doing there. And unfortunately, not all the pictures got shown. So we, um, like we sorted at Project Cure, it was funny how um, sorted medical supplies at Project Cure. And um, it was funny to me how the kids loved that. They accomplished something. They labeled those boxes. They flattened those boxes. They sorted stuff. And um, they, they all, I think they all loved it very much. <laughs> So um, even though it's not a Christian mission, um, I was wrestling with that. You know, do we give our time and effort to that if the goods aren't going to different countries with the name of Jesus? And I guess um, what God told me is the people at Project Cure maybe are the ones that we're ministering to that are seeing that, oh, churches are the ones that help us. Churches are the ones that care and want to. And we can, by our witness, by our attitudes and our love and serving there, maybe we can witness to Project Cure. I don't know. So we'll have to be picking what local ministries we want to continue to serve with. But that was one of the reasons that we went was... Go ahead. I just wanted to add that um, they were really pleased with us there, and we've actually already been invited back. And one of the leaders had said, hey, when you come back, let me know, and I'll, I'll make a point to come serve with you. So that was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So um, let's see. Yeah, I just wanted to say that about the ministries. Um, hopefully we can, you can all take a turn, and we can go up there and serve. It's really fun. And you get to go in the caves. <laughs> that was so cool. Um, so I wanted to share an experience. Um, Kansas City, um, even our leaders of CSM said it's hard to find the homeless in Kansas City. Um, they're not just all gathered in one place like they are in other cities. They're not welcomed and 
and coddled in a certain location um, as my experience in Nashville was. And so we didn't get to encounter them maybe because of COVID. They didn't take us to certain places. I'm sure that was part of it. And also there just weren't those central locations where we could serve and interact with them. Um, but their group got to interact with um, a neat guy that was like a window washer or something. <laughs> and he told cool stories to the kids. And our very first day on the prayer um, tour, we um, stopped for lunch and we just went to a park to a shelter, our half of the group. And we're like, okay, let's go down there. In the shelter, our very first day was a lady who appeared to be homeless. She had her cart with her things. Um, there was a porta potty right there to use, and she had her phone plugged into the outlet at the shelter. And so it seemed like she was able to take care of herself there. So I was like, okay, you, you brought it, you know, you put us together here. Um, what do I say, God? And so I tried three times talking to her. Um, I was like, well, I'll try this. And so I just said hello, and then, and then we were all eating our lunch, and she wasn't, so, okay, I'll try to offer her food. And so I offered her food, and she said, no, I'm fine. And then, and then I, I just prayed more about it. You know, what do I say? And so I felt like God gave me something to say, and I went back and I said, you know, we're here. We're actually here in Kansas City to learn about the struggles, and, you know, I just... Um, wanted to know, do you want to share your story with me? And she paused and looked really awkward and was like, no. So I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll leave you alone then. And then I kind of saw her face drop a little bit, and I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> and I went back, and we just, we were right next to each other, and yet separate and not interacting. And, um, and at first I thought, well, I tried. Oh, well, you know, I did my best. And later, God just talked to me kindly and graciously about, Karen, you didn't even ask her name. And you didn't, like, allow trust to build. You just kind of hit her hard. And um, that may be why she was like, no, <laughs> I don't know you. I don't. And so I feel like... Um, I was willing to step out and try, and I did my best, and God was able to teach me through that. Maybe she was blessed by just us not ignoring her completely, but um, I feel like I have a lot to learn, and I shouldn't keep trying, even though I feel like I didn't do, my, didn't do it right. I feel like I shouldn't quit trying. Um, and that we need to keep stepping out and, and trying and that God can, um, we can get better at it. Just like coming up here and speaking, you know, my heart is pounding. But the more I do it, it gets easier. Um, we did, I just wanted to let you know, um, hopefully something else the kids got out of it was um, one of our debriefs. We talked about the people who did get to interact with the kids um, we talked about how you can pray for them and how God brings them to mind. And Beth shared how I think you were on a mission trip when you were a kid, and there's still someone that she prays for, and we'll never know. Um, we don't get to see here on earth the results of those prayers, but we tried to teach them, you know, when God brings those, it, 
experiences and interactions to your mind, Lord, just pray for them. You might be the only one praying for that child, you know. Um, so hopefully that's something they got out of it. Um, and then, um, I know this is kind of long, but there was one other thing I wanted that I got out of it that I wanted to share with you. Um, one of the main focuses was the social injustice, um, and that just goes along with um, a lot of other issues right now, like immigration controversies, political controversies, um, and then just division amongst denominations, divisions among ourselves, just division everywhere. It's so tiring, and that is not what God wants from us, the, the bride of Christ, um, the body of Christ. You know, we are, we are many parts but we are to be united and we are to be peacemakers. And um, that reminds me, side note, um, when we were at the World War I Museum on our prayer tour, that's a high place and you could see over the city like the picture showed. And um, I was praying for the city, but I was thinking like, it's not just going to happen, it has to happen through the church. It's not going to happen without... Um, God's Spirit uniting the city. There will never be healing and reconciliation without God. And um, and I was watching the people come in and out of the museum and just how oblivious they were, you know, to the situation. Like, we were there for totally different reasons. They were there for entertainment and enjoyment, and we were there with a different focus, with different glasses on to see the city in a different way. And um, I hope that God can just make my glasses more clear and more clear and that I can um, just be wearing them more often and more often to see Harrisonville, to see Kansas City um, with his eyes and with his burden and with his hope and his power. That was one thing. So we, we um, CSM made these little booklets for us. Each one of us got one and we could write notes in it and had devotions in it and stuff. And so one of the things in there were, um, and this has to do with the whole unity concept of when issues arrive, when disagreements um, arise, um, it's like a filter to keep perspective for us, to help us keep unity, to help us accept one another. And the words are die, divide, debate, and decide. And so, I know you've heard this before, is this something, is this a hill to die on? Is this an issue to die for? And many people across the world are dying for the issue of the Trinity, the issue of Jesus dying for our sins. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And they actually have to die for that, and they suffer for that. Um, we have to remember that's what's worth dying for, what's worth giving up friendships for, what's worth dividing for, um, where we want to stand to the end and not give. And we need to separate that from other issues that are not, um, not worth division. Divide is the next word. Issues that are debatable. We can agree to disagree. Um, this church can do communion every week. We can do communion every quarter. Um, we can worship differently. 
we can be divided and still be brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how I see that. Um, your views on baptism. Um, debate is another word. Debate, are in my mind, are the issues that we need to settle. We need to talk it out. We need to come to an agreement on, especially inside our church, inside a friendship, inside a marriage. Um, we need to go ahead and debate it, talk it out. Um, budgets, color of carpet, um, <laughs> um, different things like that. Things will come to your mind for each of these categories. And then decide is the fourth. Um, issues that are a personal decision. How do I spend my days on Sunday? How much do I feel my family needs to tithe and give? Whether to eat meat that's been sacrificed to idols. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians. These are, Paul talks about um, in 1 Corinthians that he is a slave to all people for the sake of the gospel. When you're with these people, I will observe how they observe so that I don't, I'm not a stumbling block to them. I'm not offensive to them. Even though I feel freedom from that, I don't want to be a stumbling block to them. So anyway, the four Ds, die, divide, debate, and decide. Um, God's helping me to filter and try to bring unity, help me see people not be divided so easily when people are different from me. Um, hopefully I can be wearing his glasses and see the world, see different people, um, and keep, every, keep issues in perspective. So that's kind of how what God's been working on me and helped me through this trip. Thank you. So our last Body of Christ testimony, I will give, and I'll give it briefly as I can. Um, July 18th through 23rd, the 65th year of Lakeside Mennonite Camp was held at Knob and Oster State Park. Lakeside Mennonite Camp is not a facility. It's an association of churches originally from Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Iowa, and Illinois. Um, and uh, last year, we couldn't have camp because of COVID. Uh, and to, um, so we didn't have camp last year for the first time since I've been a part of it. Uh, to this day, there are about 12 churches from several states that send staff and campers to Lakeside. This year, we had 50 fourth through ninth grade campers and 30 staff. COVID restricted us at the park to 50% uh, capacity. Staff are volunteers and include um, cabin counselors, worship leader, cooks. Beth served at the, uh, at the um mission trip all week and then the following week served as our head cook at camp so um and the, when she said the hungry are angry or the hungry and hot are angry we don't want that happening in camp um, um so keeping them fed it was a big part of the success of camp there's activity leaders there's a nurse lifeguards and there's several people that serve more than one role when alice and i were called to direct lakeside camp several years ago we strove to preserve the underlying mission and many of the traditions that made this association remarkable in any, many ways. An area of growth we've been uh, uh, experienced is staff training. And our staff training is bearing fruit as several of our staff, mostly past campers, go on to serve at YWAM, youth leadership, and other, camp, and, and other camps, missions, trips, etc. So many volunteers 
uh, contribute to camp and um, provide cookies. HCC, you guys did a great job providing cookies. Thank you so much. Transportation, supplies, shopping, trailers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This year's theme was uh, God's indescribable creation. We went through six days of creation, and on the seventh day, God rested. He created the world in six days and only rested one. We did six days of camp with 50% capacity, and I'm still not completely recovered. Um, each day we had morning worship and devotional about what he created that day, and some details about what this indes what's indescribable about this act of creation. And then one or two attributes of God that are demonstrated in that day's creation, and what that means to you in your relationship to the Creator. We would then let the theme carry through our daily activities and ready to reflect on our responses at the evening worship at the fire ring. The text for the teaching was for our guide for the week was Genesis 1, going through each day of creation, but each day there were relevant memory verses, and I'll just give you a brief overview. Sunday night, we did the day one, which was light and time, and we used John 1, 5, 1 John 1, 5 as our memory verse. This is the message we heard from Jesus, and now we declare to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. We emphasize that God is ever-present, he existed before time, and he created the universe from nothing, and is delighted in his creation, and that includes you. Monday, day two, the sky, and he separated the waters, he made our atmosphere. Psalm 95, four through five says, he holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands form the dry land too. When you understand how God provided perfect life sustaining, the perfect life sustaining atmospheres here on earth, you begin to believe he can provide for all your needs. Tuesday, day three, dry ground the bodies of water and plants. The, the memory scripture was Luke 12, 27. Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon, all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. We looked at the amazing creativity God displays in his creation, and how much, and it's all around us, by the way, at camp, and how much more that creativity is displayed in his people. Wednesday, day four, sun, moon, stars, and the planets. Dalton Schrock had a, a telescope there to help us with this one. First uh, Chronicles 29.11, yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. When we see how the vast universe, its distance, the number of stars and planets, etc., we believe that God, and, and we believe that God has it all under his control. We believe he is a big, powerful God and can handle anything this fallen world throws at him. Thursday, day five, the fish and the birds. Psalm 8, 6 through 8. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks and the herds, all the wild animal, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, and everything that swims in the ocean current. We demonstrated how God equips plants and animals to glorify him and give him praise just by being what they were created to be in the place he put them, and so it is with us. Final day, Friday, day six, the land, animals, and humans, we focused on God's creation of people. Um, Isaiah 43, 7, bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. On the last day, we looked at how God formed man and woman uniquely from his creation, not out of nothing, and how each of us is created to be beautiful, bring praise and glory to him with the purpose he created us perfectly for. 
and to stop letting the world tell us what is beautiful or what our purpose should be. Because we're a church camp, um, we don't rack up a lot of salvations. You know, a lot of kids come pre-saved, I guess, as we look at it that way. But we're always thrilled with the spiritual progress and growth we see. You never know what God is going to, uh, where God is going to speak through the message and use it throughout the day and throughout the week. Um, the song says, don't box them in. Corey brought it up too. Uh, don't box in what God's going to do. Lay it out there. Lay out his creation out there. And don't worry about how you sound or, or, or anything like that. Or if you get choked up partway through. There's some of the staff counts how many words I get to before I get choked up. I mean, that's, that's kind of cruel when you think about it, but that's the way they get. Um, Younger, younger, and what we're, what we're amazed by every year is how younger staff and older campers recommit through life changes in their life um, and become more like what God, and commit to becoming more what God created them to be. We see that every year, and we take it for granted, but um, just because we don't get 50 salvations a year doesn't mean that God's not working through it. And so um, the camp, uh, so we really appreciate um, that. We want to thank you for trusting us with your kids year after year, for your support of Lakeside Camp, and next year we're going to tell you how it goes with 100 campers and 50 staff like we're supposed to have. <laughs> okay, thank you. I'm sure if you didn't see your email, um, there was an email this week um, concerning Paul Bachman's mother, and uh, and so he had reached out to me, and I would like Paul to go ahead and come up. I think he has something he'd like to share. Um, Paul's mom passed away this week, and uh, I, I think there's going to be a blessing in what he has to share. So please give me your attention. Yep. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm Paul Bockelman, and um, it, it amazes me, but uh, this is going to tie in well with the first two testimonies. Incredible how this is going to tie together. But um, my mom, Shirley Bachelman, she's been struggling with uh, blood cancer, an unusual type of blood cancer for a number of years, and she passed away this last week. Uh, really, to lose someone uh, uh, you love is always a sad thing, uh, but the way she passed away was the victory, and that's what I want to tell you about. Um, the two sermons once again, the two sermons by Hal Perkins uh, on healing uh, got me thinking, you know, Lord, are you giving this to me? Is, is what you're saying here through Hal, uh, can this apply to my mom? Um, oh, sure, I prayed before, but it was perfunctory, um, routine, um, not really with much conviction. So, um, so shortly after Hal's last message, um, I got all the family together. Uh, we all got together, and we really prayed. We prayed fervently and together. But, um, you know, God's plans are different for each person. Um, God is good. God's plan was different for our family than it was for Hal Perkins' family. And uh, here... Um, um, on this, Tammy, a coincidence on this? I think not, but I thought the exact same thing, Corey. Um, I wonder if Hal Perkins will just start the prophecy in Joel 2, 28 and 29, and I will pour on my spirit on all flesh in the last days. Is that, is that the start, is Hal the start of this? Um, I wonder. Anyway, um, with my mom, 
we said in those prayers that we would rejoice if she was healed and we would rejoice uh, if God took her. Uh, however, that fit in God's plans. Uh, well, she continued to get worse and worse until uh, July 21st. She was moved to hospice. Seven of us were the gathered renderer of the family, and my sister suggested that uh, I pray. So I did it the way we normally do it in a small group. Um, I told them, well, I'll start off with a prayer. Afterwards, anybody who wants to pray also, go ahead and pray, and then at the end, I'll finish up. Well, we, we did the normal prayers you would think of. Uh, we told, you know, we prayed that we loved our mom, and uh, we prayed for God's favor, and um, prayed for God's will to be done. And then at the end, I specifically prayed to mom. Um, we were all holding hands. And I remember praying, Mom, this is for you. Check your spirit. If the Holy Spirit is telling you to fight, we will fight with you. If the Holy Spirit tells you to go, then go. We will let you leave. And in that moment, she left. I, yeah, that, that was incredible. Um, it reminded me of John 10.10. 10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I came that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Of course, in this, the thief is Satan. His most powerful tools are, are to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said further down in that same passage, no one takes my life from me. I have the power to, to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. I think this also applies to those who follow Christ. Um, no one takes our life from us except um, Christ allows it. Um, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8.23. I'd say that all applies. I pictured it. I pictured it was like saying, like Satan, um, you know, oh, I hate those Christians. I'm going to make her life miserable. I'm going to torment her. I'm going to torture her until I decide to take her life. And it was like the Holy Spirit steps. I, I picture like the Holy Spirit stepping and saying, she is mine. Um, you have no authority here, Satan. They have prayed and I am taking her with me now. And... Um, you know, Hal's family prayer gave them a glorious revival. I think our family prayer gave our mom a glorious homecoming. Um, so we said we were going to rejoice if she was healed, and we were going to rejoice if God took her home. So either way, to God be the glory, and that's what God wants anyhow. He, uh, when we realize the glory goes to him, we realize it's not about us. It's about God. So to God be the glory in this. And for those who uh, knew my mom and might be interested, um, her funeral service will be this next Saturday, August 7th uh, at 11 a.m. at uh, Mount Moriah there um, on Holmes Road. So thank you all very much. You're a great family. Several of you several of you have told me so many stories about my mom I had no clue about. Thank you. Thank you.
You know, the scripture that uh, one of the scriptures Dave read was uh, about our testimony being one of the one of the ways we'll defeat Satan. And I believe that our testimony um, <laughs> is truly that it's a weapon against Satan. And um, if you're being blessed and you're not telling others, you're not using your full armament. And uh, there are people who need to hear what what was said today. And there are people who need to hear what you would have to say. And so uh, we elders would love to hear in the future if you have something that you want to share, um, tell us. And, and, and we want to we start this uh, defeat, this ultimate defeat of Satan through your testimony. And I would encourage you to think about what you've heard today and whether God is speaking to you through those testimonies. Um, I'm going to go ahead and close this in prayer and dismiss. Dear God, what a blessing it is to be a part of a family like this. And what a blessing it is to hear what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, I ask that uh, um, you would cause each one of us to reflect on what we've heard, to seek you. Um, and Lord, I, I ask for your uh, gracious forgiveness for those times that I haven't spoke up when you've done, uh, done something in my life. I didn't tell others I didn't possibly change a life by sharing. I ask that you, in that forgiveness, that you help, help me to be more bold and open in the future. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.